AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music. And lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio. Available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look. And I'm obsessed with looking for it. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. Each week, I have a short conversation with someone who inspires me or teaches me something about life, leadership, and other curious things. I hope you'll join me on the journey. Listen to A Bit of Optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All that sitting and swiping, our backs hurt, our eyeballs sting. That's our bodies adapting to our technology. But we can do something about it. We saw amazing effects. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. There's no turning back for me. Make 2024 the year you put your health before your inbox. And take the Body Electric Challenge. Listen to Body Electric from NPR on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast. I am Gary Gramling. I'm Jenny Grentis. I'm Connor Orr. And we are talking about some schedule release madness this week. We're also going to have a little bit on uh, uh, the Jawan James situation and and maybe the tight end depth chart in uh, in Jacksonville, depending on how things go. We'll see if we feel it by the end of the show. But uh, uh, we ha- we have a schedule, guys, and that's I think that qualifies as excitement in May. Uh, we we know who is going to play where and when, and I don't know. It, it, there's a certain sense of completion when that happens, but. Uh, uh, I guess we'll start with some negativity, and uh, I'll just say flat out, this 17-game thing, it bothers me for a lot of reasons, but it especially bothers me because 16, I think I never really appreciated how how sort of uh, just the beautiful symmetry, the number 16 uh, being half the teams in the league, it is, uh, you know... Uh, the square root of 16 is four, which is a very, uh, for those of us who are kind of, I don't know, math obsessed despite ourselves, uh, that is a very, uh, it's just a very even number. It just kind of all built out beautifully. So that plus the combination of having to be like, oh, I think this team's in for a big season. They're going to go 12 and five, I think. It just, Nothing, nothing matches up. It just feels like we are jamming, uh, uh, you know, the 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 
the, the square and the children's puzzle into the triangular hole, and it's just not working. I could not agree more, Gary. 17 is just a very unsettling number. Obviously, there's the player safety piece of this and the fact that there's still only one bye week, but... It was just so easy to plot out the schedule to if if a team was playing an opponent, you knew exactly what the rest of the schedule looked like because everything has been the same for so long. And yeah, I could not be more opposed to the 17 game schedule. See, is this going to be a weird dynamic now where Jenny, you and I agreed on everything on the Uh, weak side podcast, but now you're going to side with Gary and then I'm kind of just going to be lone wolfing it. uh, Wait, so we we disagree on this, right? So you... Wait, you like 17 is a prime number, Connor. I don't know if you knew that. It I, is horrible. I, I'm well aware. Well, I didn't. I don't know what a prime numbers are, but <laughs> um, but uh, so uh, editor Mitch and I argued about this um, a while back, and uh, player safety is a hundred percent a concern. Um, but I, I can't put away my own selfishness when it comes to this. I like football. I think this year especially as opposed as I was to having a season go on and, and there were some really gross moments of what seemed like a lack of concern for everybody's safety and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was cathartic. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I was like, I I think I've decided that more football in my life is good regardless of whether or not it is actually a good product. And so 17 means like one more course on the meal. It means, you know, one more thing for me. And, uh, you know, I know that's incredibly selfish, but I'm like, you know what? It, it is what it is. And and I understand all the other arguments. Player safety, first and foremost, it's probably going to be a bad game anyway. The 17th yes. game is probably going to be crappy no matter what. Um, all this stuff. Totally get it. Um, just can't shake my own selfishness here. I was going to say, for the guy who is demanding huge punishment for the Eagles for that Week 17 debacle, I'm just, I, I, what, I, I'm just picturing Week 18 right now and... Uh, in my mind, in my very pessimistic mind, I'm picturing like 16 versions of that Washington Eagles game that uh, wrapped up the season. That was, I mean, it was as close to unwatchable television as you can get. You know what we could have though is like you like like uh, week 18 could be Kyle Trask. You know, we could be blogging Kyle Trask. How fun would that be, huh? Or um or. Who knows? I mean, if Jimmy Garoppolo gets on a heater this year, that could be the the Trey Lance debut. If Kyle Shanahan really wants to to spread this thing out, I uh I I'm not ready to give up on on week 18 yet. I'm not ready. And I think the Eagles taught everybody a valuable lesson, which is that you have to try hard. So, I think that all the other teams are going to start trying hard now. I think Connor, you are hoping for a recreation of the Patrick Mahomes Week 17 debut his rookie <laughs> year, right? Yeah, a and call I, back I to that. Yeah. It's very uh, that's very wishful thinking. I, I, I agree with, it. but um, you know what other what other kind of thinking can you traffic in at this point? Like you know, you got to stick with wishful thinking. I think you know that's that's it. So I think I think week 18 is going to be uh, magical. And Jenny, uh, our um, our fantasy league is going to extend an extra week. And so there's always more hope there uh, to get our, our squads under control, waiver, you know, all, all sorts of stuff like that. So I, I, I just I I'm I'm pro additional football. You know, Connor, here's another change from the week side podcast is that suddenly you've become very optimistic. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, it, it, I'm just it, saying it, it, it does it become infectious as we go on here as well. 
This is I, very, uh, very sunny side right here. We're all getting used to the new dynamic. Yeah, we're just feeling it out. Um, if I have to be the guy, you know, the shot of, of energy, you know, I'm I'm ready to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, let's just give it a, let's just give it a chance. And how about week 18? Uh, by then, hopefully uh, no new uh, COVID updates and everything like that. We can have a week 18 party at my place, watch party. We can uh, celebrate all the, the bustling storylines. The NFL always finds a way. You know that. There will be something to watch in week 18. They've already made sure of it. I, I know this. And I think that there's no way there can be one entirely trash week from start to finish. Well, that sounds lovely, Connor. We can record the Monday morning podcast from your living room after, after the week 18 games. Lots of I'll options some, here. I'll make some finger foods. It'll be great. Just people shrieking Trask repeatedly for, uh, for three hours. Yeah. Peter King? I like it. so let's look at the actual schedule now that we've uh well jenny and i have aired our grievances and connor has perhaps corrected us and we'll keep an open mind going forward here i just wish they had added two games i just wish there's no that's there's no quarter point anymore there's no quarter point there's no halfway point for each team uh it's just gonna it's gonna just rack my brain for an entire season but we'll move on uh let's look at the individual schedules uh connor you are let's let's make you turn this around let's ruin your your morning here and uh you went through the the teams who should be uh a little bit a little bit miffed if we're being honest about uh, how the schedule plays out yeah this is uh this is starting to become a death taxes raiders get an awful schedule um, uh, if you remember two years ago, they had to travel 30,000 air miles throughout the course of the season. And then the jets and giants combined barely reached 20. Um, and so, uh, but they got the short end of the stick again. And I, I was looking at the, uh, bears, uh, Raiders game, the Khalil Mack bowl part two, which is like week five. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, so they start the season with Baltimore, then they go to Pittsburgh then they get Miami. Then they go to the Chargers. They could be 0-4 heading into that Khalil Mack Bowl. And then what are the optics of getting smashed by the guy that you traded away and have yet to find the you know replacement pass rusher um, uh, to sink to 0-5? Maybe that's just my wildest dreams. I don't know. I was know, just going to say, you've yeah. really gamed out this scenario here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that but those two teams, uh, uh, the Raiders and the Chargers both, um, had really bad sort of dips in the schedule. Um, so uh, in the Raiders, so that I think that front four is really bad um, for the Raiders. Um, and then after that, you have to fly across the country to the Giants. Then you get the Chiefs. Then you have to go to Dallas. Then you get Washington. Then you go to the Chiefs again. Then you go to the Browns. Then you go to Denver. And then you go to the Colts. That's brutal. Like that's a really, really, really bad stretch of uh, of schedule there. Um, so the beginning and end for them, it just gets hammered. I don't see a lot of ways for them to pick up wins. And then the Chargers are similar just because they're playing the same teams. Um, but they have that really difficult schedule there where a uh, really difficult part where they go to the Chiefs, um, then they get the Brown, they they play the Raiders, then they get the Browns at Ravens by Patriots. So like Browns or at Ravens by Patriots is a brutal stretch too, especially like, I don't think anyone wants Belichick coming off a bye, um, uh, because normally you'd view that as your chance to get ahead and, and to self scout and to come up with something new, but to have the best coach after the bye, I think kind of stinks. Um, 
But yeah, so I think they had a rough schedule. The Bears had a rough schedule. The Ravens had a rough schedule after an absolute cakewalk uh, last year. And then the Lions, I think, also got hosed. Um, But, um, you know, the Bears are interesting just because there's going to be a lot of primetime attention. um, But is the team going to be good enough? Um, and, and where are they comfortable slotting Justin Fields in and, 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 you know, does he start from week one? Like, you know, they start the season at LA against the Rams. Do you want to play Justin Fields in that game? I don't know. Um, then you come home for the Bengals, which is maybe a perfect chance to do it, but then you go to the Browns. And, uh, so uh, it, it's, uh, I, I don't see a lot of soft spots, um, in that schedule. They get Tampa Bay on the road this year. Um, they get green Bay on the road in the winter, um, Seattle at the end of the season on the road. And then you close the season at Minnesota. Um, you know, that seems like a pretty brutal, uh, schedule as well, but I will say in general, there weren't as many clear winners and losers as there have been in the past. And what that, that extra game I think does is add a chance to sort of, it's just a, a little bit extra room to move the puzzle pieces around where I don't see as many total, destruction scenarios as we've seen in the past as well we have week 14 buys this year it seems so late last year when the bucks had week 13 the panthers did too but uh uh we have week 14 buys and and four teams it will be the colts dolphins patriots eagles the patriots are really interesting there to me because your offense with matt jones is going to be completely different than your offense with cam newton so if let's say they they do go into the season with Cam as their starter, which I think is more likely, I don't think it's completely out of the realm of possibility that Mac Jones wins a quarterback competition this summer. But uh, if they go into the season with Cam as their starter, you figure that's the kind of transition where you need the bye week to make the switch to the younger quarterback because you need to completely redo your offense at that point. They're not going to have a chance to do that with a bye week until uh, like the week before Christmas would be Mac Jones's first start in that scenario. And and look, if if Cam struggles, they'll They'll do it anyway. They'll figure it out. But uh, that was uh, becoming a little overblown, though. Like, remember, even when uh, when Greg Roman was in San Francisco, they were transitioning to Kaepernick, you know, uh, in little fits and starts throughout the first few weeks of the season. The Ravens, uh, you know, maybe not as uh, as seamlessly, but I think had some of that stuff like in training camp. They were doing a lot of zone raid stuff like I think. I, I think the Patriots will have essentially two offenses by the time, you know, ready to go that are just sort of branched out of the same terminology. Like, I, I just don't think it's as crazy as it used to be. And coaches have already realized that you kind of have to have that instinct anyway. Um, but I don't know. I, it, it wouldn't be surprising to me to see them ready to go out of camp with, with two offenses and be ready to pull the plug on cam at, at a moment's notice. Connor, remember when we were covering the Jets and there was a big hullabaloo because Matt Slauson in the springtime mentioned that the Jets had two playbooks, one for Sanchez and one for their newly signed quarterback, Tim Tebow. Mm -hmm. I do remember that. It just felt like time to mention that for no particular reason. And and we saw so much that that playbook must have been about (laughs) this thick. And for those of you who can't see my fingers, I'm holding them as close together as I can possibly uh, hold them. Man, like not materialize it. It didn't. And and they didn't even 
like have him come in and just smash his way into the goal line from like three yards out. Mm-hmm. They didn't reach the goal line a lot. Uh, uh, well, that's a fair point, Connor. You know, <laughs> if you if you're never in the red zone, you don't have much cause to use your goal line offense. And what Matt Slauson failed to mention was the third playbook run by Greg McElroy. Greg McElroy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just had to cite that. But yes, I mean, it is a pretty, you are talking about two pretty different ends of the spectrum there um, between a Cam Newton offense and a Mac Jones offense. So it will be interesting to see how the Patriots navigate that, how they prepare for that, and if and when there is a transition from one to the other, how that is executed. I think it'll be actually be really interesting to see how they do that because you have Belichick, you have McDaniels, two people that know how to coach the game and know how to do different things on offense week to week. I mean, we always hear about how the Patriots are so game plan specific based on their opponents. So this is sort of in the same vein, just a completely different challenge. Yeah, A, would it surprise you if, would it shock you totally if there were games where Cam played a majority of the game and Mac Jones played a majority of the game throughout the season? I don't think that would surprise me very much. Now that's an interesting point, Connor. You know what I mean? I think that, I think that the more that you open up that possibility, the less weird, like it's going to seem weird at first, right? Like who's starting this week, who's starting this week, but, and coaches have put such a singular focus on like the quarterback has to be the leader of the team. But what if you're a team that has Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels? Like it seems, it feels like that matters less, right? Like it's, you know, Bill Belichick has a handle on everything. So it's like whoever's starting this week is who I say it's going to start. And, and it, it doesn't create a leadership vacuum. It's you, you already have the, the greatest leader in modern sports history. So like who cares? And, you know, some weeks you're going to be playing teams that are smaller defensively, uh, maybe some, you know, I, I just I, hypothetically, I'm not looking at the Patriots schedule. Like if you, if you had a team that was against uh, playing in the AFC West, for example, and they had a bunch of smaller defensive backs, cause they're worried about the chiefs all the time. And that's how the roster is stacked. You play cam Newton and you run it down their throats. And if you vice versa, you know, if you have a team that's a little bit bigger, you, you take Mac Jones and you throw the ball a little bit more. I, I don't know. I mean, but I, it just wouldn't shock me if Belichick is the kind of guy that would get into that a little bit more. Well, this is a really interesting possibility because, yeah, I mean, we, we see them with their offenses. They do whatever whatever the opponent that week is most vulnerable to. That has always been the trick. That's why the Patriots are a very difficult team to get any fantasy football players from because you have no idea who's going to be featured week to week. So that one day they'll feature the ground game, one week they'll feature the air game, and it's all based on the opponent's deficiencies. So what, Connor, you're suggesting is – Week to week, if there's an opponent that's more vulnerable to a specific type of offense or even at a certain point in the game. I don't know. What do you think, Gary? I think it's really interesting because we look back on these teams that have kind of sprinkled in the the new quarterback, the young guy as we go. This is stylistically reversed. Uh, you are theoretically going to have a more expansive passing offense with Mac Jones and Yara Cam Newton because you need to have a more expansive passing offense with Mac Jones because that running element is now gone. That is more complicated than installing, uh, you know, saying, okay, well, we're going to mix in uh, a package that is, you know, sort of a wildcat plus type of thing with our young, uh, you know, sort of raw uh, mobile quarterback. I mean, Mac Jones is the opposite. So, Look, this is Mac Jones is kind of a kind of a throwback prospect anyway. 
and we'll see how it works out in the long run. But I don't know. I think it's really interesting that the thought of trying to install sort of bits and pieces. And, and look, maybe Mac Jones at this point is basically on the same level as Cam Newton. I mean, Cam, obviously, we've seen has had big years as a passer. He's been in the league for a long time, so maybe not on the same level anyway. But uh, I think it's interesting to think how they are going to uh, potentially sprinkle in Mac Jones. And look, this is this is a team that they have coaches that solve problems, and uh, I will be interested to see how they solve these problems, and uh, I will be willing to just throw my takes and criticisms at them if it doesn't work. I, Princeton Tigers have been doing this successfully in the Ivy League for over a decade now, so as usual, the, uh, the, uh, the Ivy League is the hub of innovation, <laughs> and uh, we will soon see... Um, We'll soon see that at the NFL level. Bill Belichick did a lot of brain picking not too long ago when I think it was Chad Knopf. The tight Princeton had a quarterback yes. that made the uh, that made the NFL for a hot second. Um, but uh, he, I think it was Arizona. He was on the roster for Arizona, maybe in the summer. That but sounds right. Awful yep. lot of brain picking during that meeting in Foxborough, I was told. So uh, just, uh, you know, he's always he's always scribbling stuff away. Just Connor, this this might be your greatest oracle yet. <laughs> well, uh, f- for public consumption, yes, that's that, <laughs> it, it could be. Yes. OK, it, it could, fair it enough. could very yes. well be. Yes. yes. Yeah. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon and Time is back for another round. We have more insightful conversations between myself, Paul Muldoon and Paul McCartney about his life and career. Big bear of a man, it's called Mal Evans, who's on roadie. And uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, Will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, What? Salt and pepper? This season, we're diving deep into some of McCartney's most beloved songs Yesterday, Band on the Run, Hey Jude. And McCartney's favorite song in his entire catalogue Here, There, and Everywhere. Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What does optimism look like? I'm on a quest to find the people who inspire us to dream more and do more. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. I talk to all sorts of people, from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to a hairdresser on Instagram who gives out free haircuts to the homeless, from the CEOs of the world's largest companies to the comedy writer who visited the wreckage of the Titanic, I love talking to leaders, artists, authors, and eccentrics about life, leadership, purpose, mental fitness, human skills, high performance, and other curious things. It leaves me feeling wiser, more inspired, and, well, more optimistic. Because after all, this is a bit of optimism. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look for it. Listen to A Bit of Optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. 
I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around, I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, you... he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with Big Pop. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All that sitting and swiping, our backs hurt, our eyeballs sting. That's our bodies adapting to our technology. But we can do something about it. We saw amazing effects. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. There's no turning back from me. Make 2024 the year you put your health before your inbox. And take the Body Electric Challenge. Listen to Body Electric from NPR on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all you 20-somethings out there. Are you tired of pretending like you have it all figured out? Well, guess what? You're not alone. Get ready to embrace the chaos with the premiere of the fourth season of Crying in Public. Join me, your host, Sydney Winter, as I take the mic solo for the very first time. I'm here to share the good, the bad, and the downright awkward of navigating this crazy thing we call girlhood. Consider this your go-to guide for surviving your 20s with style and grace. Well, for the most part. From dissecting mysteries of modern dating to surviving and thriving in a daily grind of adulting, crying in public covers it all. And then some. So grab your headphones, because you're about to get real, raw, and a little ridiculous. And let's face it, life's too short to pretend like we've got it all together. It's time to embrace the chaos. So don't miss out on the laughs, the tears, and the inevitable existential crisis. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Jenny very thoughtfully tried to transition us to Tim Tebow, who I guess we have to we have to say his name. I mean, we're contractually obligated uh, due to Google Trends and, and uh, social media uh, and all that. We have to say Tim Tebow on the show. We're going to have to do so as long as he is a member of an NFL team. But uh, I don't know. I mean, look, he's he's probably not going to uh, compete with Trevor Lawrence uh, at quarterback. It's, <laughs> it looks like he's going to play some tight end and be this sort of, uh, I don't know, multi-purpose type of move tight end guy. But realistically... I mean, look, it's a really thin depth chart for the Jaguars at tight end, but it's still, I mean, really difficult to picture him actually making it out of the summer and being on the roster at any point during the regular season. Uh, That said, is there a downside to having him in? Like, yes, you could bring in another 90th player on your roster, but that guy's probably not making the roster either. So does does it matter that it's Tim Tebow? I... I think Jenny has a better perspective on this because back when we covered the Jets, the Star Ledger only, uh, you know, Jenny went to the camp where Tebow is at, and then I kind of picked up afterwards. So she would have a better idea of kind of the chaos surrounding Tebow initially at um, uh, at during the summer during the training camp period. But I would say, for my own thoughts, like 
the 90th guy in the roster had that position has been handed out like, you know, a, like a political appointment for years. I mean, coaches have done that, you know, um, coaches, uh, friends, you know, I mean, how many, t- how many teams have given uh, Jim Kelly's nephew uh, the, a chance with the 90th guy on the roster spot, you know, and, you know, it's probably him picking up the phone and saying, Hey, can you please, you know, bring him on here and, and, and see if you can do something with him or just get him through the summer, whatever it is. These things are not like sacrosanct. And I think it's crazy because, I don't think Tim Tebow is making the 53 man roster. I don't think there's any chance, um, but he can do a lot of things for you in the interim. Like he can, he can wear a lot of hats. He's going to walk around the field, smiling and clapping the whole time. You know, he's going to uh, kind of be the evangelist for your way of coaching in the locker room. And I, you know, I think it might be overrated a little bit, but I think that there are very few quarterbacks who understand what it's like to be Trevor Lawrence. And Tim Tebow is probably one of them. Like he's not from a physical gift standpoint, but from an attention expectation mm-hmm. standpoint. And I think it, why not? Like you're paying him nothing to sit in the locker room. And Trevor Lawrence is like, Hey, this is crazy. There's all these creeps out there who want my autograph. And you know, it, 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 it weirds me out. And Tim Tebow is the exact guy to be like, I totally get it. You know, I, I totally understand. And I'm sure there's bigger problems than that that they can discuss. I don't know. But <laughs> um, but I'm just saying, like, I, I think that there's a very unique fraternity of quarterbacks who have had that much pressure and attention on them. And one just happens to be willing to come to camp at age 33 and bounce himself around like a tight end for six weeks. Go ahead. Let him do it. Yeah, I mean, I do think the... Tim Tebow frenzy that existed previously will be lessened for a couple reasons. One, it's been a really long time. Two, he's not in the quarterback mix, and there's already a ton of excitement over Trevor Lawrence, and he's going to be the focus of anyone who visits Jacksonville. And I think Connor makes a really good point that he can, ha- he has that ability to mentor Lawrence in an unique way to talk about the unusual level of attention he will receive. I think for Urban Meyer, we talked a little bit about this on the weak side last week. He's that kind of shepherd who shows them the way of the new coaches program. We saw that with the Jets and Rex Ryan when he went out and signed Bart Scott and Jim Leonard. So a lot of coaches like to have somebody that can speak to how they've done things in the past. I will say, having been there for that Jets training camp, Connor, it was a total circus. I mean, there was national media in town. Like, I think Sal Palantonio was there for the entire camp. They had daily updates on ESPN. There was that day where they pretended to wall off the practice. Like, they had the players (laughs) line up in a wall so we couldn't see the Tebow Wildcat package, which, as we mentioned earlier, really never came to fruition. (laughs) Uh, There was also the day when it rained outside and Tebow took his shirt off and ran shirtless past all the photographers. And I do know that that raised a lot of eyebrows among coaches and other players. It it didn't seem like a guy who was trying to lessen the attention on himself. Uh, And not to say that, you know, a lot of players do that. It's raining, whatever. Uh, You know, not to say that there was any ill intent there, but knowing the commotion that surrounded him, uh, that seemed to play into it. Um, Wait, that this is going to sound incredibly naive, but the uh, I I don't like the shirt thing was on purpose, like popping it off and running past the cameras was like a calculated 
Well, I don't know if it was calculated or not. That's how it happened. But but it was perceived as calculated. Well, I think some people, some coaches and players Mm. on the team were like, what's going on here? Like, you know, (laughs) this is just becoming a lot. Again, I I can't speak to his intent, Connor. And I, it probably wasn't an intent, although there is a sort of under, you know, there's a lack of maybe understanding if, if there was no intent that this would of course blow up, which it did. So, Um, but I, you know, I think it's a different circumstance now and we have seen him go other places. I mean, obviously he was with the Patriots very briefly. He was with Philly very briefly. And I think each time was a little bit lessening attention. So that's probably, it's probably not going to be the same degree of focus, but it, you know, and maybe that's good though for Lawrence. Maybe if there's a bunch of hoopla around, you know, any attention that's going to Tebow is taking a tiny bit off Lawrence. Yeah. Although I'm skeptical that any attention will be taken off Lawrence, but yeah, we, uh, while you guys work in the star ledger, I was, uh, I was working at sports Illustrated kids, uh, a decade ago. And when Tebow was 2013 off season, he was with the Patriots, uh, in training camp there. And we, uh, you know, we had the daily poll on, uh, on SIKids.com, wonderful website. Everyone should go there. Uh, we asked who should the Patriots starting quarterback be Tom Brady or Tim Tebow? Just out of curiosity, <laughs> knowing people love Tim Tebow. Uh, it was, <laughs> it was the most lopsided poll we had ever put up. It was some like 94% voted for Tebow. What? And, uh, yeah. So I don't know if Nickelodeon wants to take it one step further with their broadcast and let kids coach by poll, set the starting lineup by poll. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll see some more interesting games this year. Wow. Maybe Tebow does make some starts on the Nickelodeon broadcast. Gary, that's a stunning piece of information. The Yes, but also no. It, it, we we expect, we knew Tebow would win the poll. We just didn't think it would be uh, 94% to 6%. And also, it was, I mean, Tom Brady had gone uh, multiple years without even winning a Super Bowl at that point. So, yeah, you know, so maybe it was, was time to move on anyway. Up, yeah. <laughs> I will say this, Mike Westoff, legendary special teams coordinator, still says Tim Tebow is the best pupil that he ever had. Came by Mike Westoff's office late at night asking, if, what, what can I do to get on the field? And I think one time they faked a punt and it worked. So you never know. <laughs> always, a, always the possibility there of a special teams threat. So. Mm-hmm. Lots to work with in Jacksonville training camp. Connor, maybe we should start our training camp tour there again. Oh, let's do it. I was going to say, as long as it's not, uh, well, I love Cortland, uh, and, but they don't, and they don't go there anymore. But um, I, I think that would feel too real. There'd be, a, there'd be too much of a real feel there. But Jacksonville was a lovely spot for our, uh, our training camp kickoff. So I'm, I'm totally down for that. Football's back. It is, especially because today, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe this is day one of phase two of of whatever we're calling this off-season workout phase. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're going to see over the course of the week uh, how many players will show up, which teams will show up more than other teams. And, and I'm sure that will be uh, uh, a constant talking point that we won't really talk about because, well, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe we'll talk about it next week. But I did want to touch on specifically one guy here, and that is Jawan James, the uh, Denver Broncos offensive tackle, and sort of what transpired. Uh, so he was working out 
uh, you know, football-related workouts, ends up rupturing his Achilles. Because he was working out uh, away from the Broncos' facility, it qualifies as a non-football injury, and the Broncos were able to uh, essentially waive. I mean, if, if you're the Broncos, you would say it as they got out from under what was probably not a great contract at that point. Uh, James was a bit of an overpay when they signed him in free agency, and, uh, you know, I, I'm uh, they, they were... They were probably, uh, in a way, thankful to get out from under it. But uh, as far as Juwan James goes, he loses, uh, I, I believe the number's around $11 million guaranteed, uh, and he is a free agent now, and he's gonna—he's 30 years old. He's trying to work his way back from a ruptured Achilles, and he's a guy who didn't play last year. He opted out uh, during the pandemic. So uh, I guess I just wanted to, to pose this Uh Let's just say ethically, right or wrong, what do we what do we think the Broncos' actions here? And uh, if they do ultimately want to move on from Juwan James and, and play a younger player at that spot, I think that's that's reasonable. But uh, is this a little bit of I don't know, just distasteful to uh, to axe a guy for basically preparing for the season and getting injured? Yeah, I think J.C. Tretter, who's the president of the Players Union, had a really good point to Albert Breer in Monday Morning Quarterback that basically only a small section of the offseason is actually a part of the offseason program. And so any time that you're working away from this facility, even when there isn't a potential offseason program to attend, you're at risk for a non-football injury. And so are you essentially going to disincentivize players from working out and staying in the best shape that they can uh, when you take this step? I mean, I think it was a confluence of a bunch of circumstances. It, it happened to happen during the offseason program time of year it was a player that the Broncos were probably looking to move on from to begin with so it it resulted in this ugly outcome that people are using to kind of undercut the player's attempt to lessen the offseason requirements um but yeah it could have happened at any other time of year and I do think it's distasteful I mean of course you know management is going to do what they can what's within their rights and they seized an opportunity to get out of his contract here. But uh, I do think it sends a bad message, and I think it does contribute to distrust between players and management, which is already kind of at an all-time high around the league. Yeah, it's just not surprising, you know? And that's the problem is, like, teams are so callous and... You know, and 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 they make these decisions, and then the problem is it kind of gives other teams cover to other teams cover to make these decisions, and you know they kind of just provide shields for one another to continue doing this sort of careless, cold stuff. Um, and I I just don't see how, from a management standpoint, I don't see how this makes your team any better. Like, yeah, you're going to save some money. Uh, yeah, but like there's not a player that you can get this year with that money that's going to dramatically change or alter the course of your season. And the flip side of that is you could make a very public show out of pledging your ability to take care of Juwan James. And I think that the goodwill that creates in the locker room goes way further than the $10 million that you're going to save and not be able to spend. Because if you're an owner, you're going to spend that money anyway. So who cares, you know? Yeah, and I think there's an examination of this situation as a one-off without speaking to exactly what Connor just said, both on the Broncos but also teams league-wide. I mean, 
we're seeing players pressure management in ways we haven't seen them before. I mean, most notably with the quarterbacks, obviously, and, and we'll see how that works out in certain situations. But uh, maybe this is the best decision for them. The Broncos feel like this is the best decision for them and their salary cap in the moment, but it may have consequences down the line when you further fray the relationship between players and management. It might show up in a lot of other ways. And so I think they're probably not thinking of of the long-term effects that has when you see a player get screwed out of this, especially on an issue that players league-wide are trying to activate on. Now, maybe the participation in the action that they were trying to take isn't um, as, you know, the percentage isn't as high as maybe you'd like it to be. And we've seen some teams put out statements that they're not going to program work out programs or, or some players on and various teams putting out those statements, but then going anyway. But this is an issue that players are going to push back on. And I don't think the own, or I don't think the Broncos management is considering the fact that taking this, um, stand based on whatever is al- allowed contractually. I don't think they're thinking that this could have a much worse impact in the long term in the bigger picture. Yeah, in a way, on the on the James situation, I'm I'm almost open to. Uh, I look at there's a salary cap impact, and that's almost part of that's part of the game part of football, where you know, like, oh, okay, well, we can now free up this money and do A, B, or C with it, and I I understand that. Uh, and I don't want to sit here and say that $10 million isn't a lot of money, even for a very wealthy, uh, organization. It, it is, but, uh, maybe you just pay that you were planning on paying it anyway. And, uh, if you got hurt at your facility, you would have paid it. So I get, I, I think there is a, an opportunity for sort of goodwill at this point. If they don't take it, we'll see, we'll see what, uh, we'll see how it affects, uh, you know, prospective free agents going forward there. Uh, if, if it's sort of a coin toss situation between the Broncos and another organization, do you, uh, do you end up, uh, going elsewhere? But, uh, I guess overall this, this whole, the whole offseason workout thing is, it's just fascinating to me because on one hand, owners don't care. Like they, they really don't, this doesn't cost them money. Uh, it, it's not a financial issue. And therefore, uh, if they can sort of give away some of these things to players, uh, and they're not negotiating the CBA right now. They already did that last year and we heard all about it, but, uh, this is not something where, uh, it's hurting them financially. So they really, this is not a priority for them, but the coaches kind of get caught in the middle of it because you're basically like you're, you're management, but you're not really management for the sake of, you know, NFL ownership versus NFL PA. And they obviously, they want these guys showing up and getting ready for the season and all that stuff. And it just, they're in this weird middle ground. And I just find it fascinating. Yeah. And they are in a strange spot too, for the players to be organizing around this issue, as you said, Gary, because they just struck a CBA last year. So it's not like they're in the middle of contract negotiations. And this is something that they're going to address for the next period. I think everything comes down to management control. They want control over players. Uh, because as you said, otherwise, I mean, it's not a money issue. It's, it's, it's not something that hits the owner's bottom lines, but I think they want control over players. And also they know that it's important to the coaches. So because there is the CBA that's in place and is not getting renegotiated, we have seen players work with the coaches to come up with team to team different ways around it. So Brian Flores and the Dolphins, Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals, 
seems like they have come up with other arrangements just on a one-off basis between the coach and the players. And perhaps that's something that we, we see a little bit more of league wide, but it is always this awkward thing. It's nothing is ever voluntary. And, um, you know, the players have been pushing for less off season for a long time, but I think last year having seen that a virtual off season program works just fine. Now this issue is, you know, even clearer in the players' minds. The problem is they're currently locked into a CBA. That's my unionist talk for the day. Yeah. Kind of kind of set everyone straight. No one has anything to add on to that because Jenny already knows it better than us. It's so true, though. <laughs> you could say that about a lot of topics. I know. I was I was going to add that as well. <laughs> well, we'll figure that out as we go on. Jenny, with this, uh, over with the this last lineup. 10 years, Jenny has fixed... Life issues of mine, medical issues of mine, <laughs> um, countless work-related issues. Like, I, I'm not joking. Jenny once gave me advice for uh, chronic stomach aches. I have not had a stomach ache since then. It's been three years. That's crazy. Well, we're really overstating my impact I've had a here. stomach ache in three years. Well, just make sure that Shelby doesn't go in the archives and put together a reel of all of my bad takes. (laughs) So we're trusting Shelby not to do so. All right, guys, you have the finale of the Weak Side podcast coming up this week. So uh, you folks out there, if you're you missed it, you missed it. If you didn't subscribe, you blew it. Nothing else to be said at this point, but do make sure you go and listen to that show. It's going to be uh, an all timer there. Uh, I do want to throw out it's that time of year. Uh, in on the NFL calendar where we want mailbag questions. So uh, you can send your questions. You can send it via social media. You can tweet at us. We're all on Twitter. I mean, you guys all know how to use that stuff. Uh, if you want to email it, uh, let's say uh, let's say do the MMQB at gmail.com for now and put podcast in the subject line, and we'll come up with a, a new email address or something like that because, uh, as Connor has pointed out, that, that email is... Uh, uh, I don't know. A lot of people have access to it. I don't know who has <laughs> access to it these days, but just know that some random former uh, M- MMQB employee might see your question. Love it. That's it. That's my warning. That's the disclaimer. Send those questions in, and we'll uh, we'll see you guys next week. The MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast is Jenny Rentis, Connor Orr, and me, Gary Gramling. We are produced by Shelby Royston, SI's executive producer of podcast is Scott Brody. Mark Ravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed as well as the feeds for the Weekside Podcast and Albert Breer Show. They're wrapping up this week, but you got to check them out before they go away. They're all for free on Apple Podcasts. And once you do subscribe, Please leave a rating and review for this show and for all of them. It helps other people find the shows. They're also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. The world is full of magic and wonder if you know where to look. And I'm obsessed with looking for it. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. Each week, I have a short conversation with someone who inspires me or teaches me something about life, leadership, and other curious things. I hope you'll join me on the journey.
Listen to a bit of optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All that sitting and swiping, our backs hurt, our eyeballs sting. That's our bodies adapting to our technology. But we can do something about it. We saw amazing effects. I really felt like the cloud in my brain kind of dissipated. There's no turning back for me. Make 2024 the year you put your health before your inbox. And take the Body Electric Challenge. Listen to Body Electric from NPR on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nazi V2 was a rocket-powered bomb traveling faster than the speed of sound. You couldn't hear it coming. A technological miracle, but a military and economic disaster for Nazi Germany. How did the V2 come into existence, and why were so many of the people it hurt not the people you might expect? Join me, Tim Harford, host of Cautionary Tales, for my gripping mini-series on the V2 rocket, available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, fellow 20-somethings. It's your girl, Sydney Winter. And guess what? The wait is finally over. Season four of Crying in Public is here, and I'm flying solo for the very first time. That's right, no co-host to rein me in, just me, myself, and the mic. From relationships to careers and all the awkward encounters in between, we're covering it all. So mark your calendars and set your reminders because Crying in Public is dropping its juiciest season yet. Listen to the new season of Crying in Public on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.